It's Monday, March 11th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Canada, Taylor Muckerman. Good to see you. You too. Been a little while. It has been a little while. Um, there's a story we're going to get to in a minute that I, when I saw it a, like a week or two ago, that's when I reached. I was like, I got to get you in the studio, and I'm glad it didn't. It didn't work out timing wise for you. I'm glad because it's even a more timely story now. It changed course a little bit. It since did. Then. It's a big deal in the mining industry. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to the future of baseball. Uh, we got to start with the story of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, for the second time in six months, a Boeing aircraft is involved in a deadly crash. It is the same model of aircraft, the 737 Max 8. On Sunday, an Ethiopian Airlines flight crashed shortly after takeoff, killing all 157 people on board. Last fall, a Lion Air flight crashed into the Java Sea off of Indonesia, killing all 189 people involved. Shares of Boeing are down 8% this morning. The stock drop obviously pales in comparison to the loss of hundreds of lives, and our hearts go out to all of the victims and their families. I'm surprised the stock isn't down more. Only in this regard, we're talking about the 737 Max 8, which is the latest and greatest model yeah. of their best-selling plane. We'll say greatest in air quotes. Yeah, with greatest in air quotes. Yeah. The latest version of of their best-selling plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, two accidents that appear to have very similar circumstances yes. around them. I mean, I don't know. If you own an airline and you've got some of these in your fleet, aren't you aren't you parking them on the tarmac for a while? Well, China, yes. China supposedly has around 75 of the 350 of these jets that are operational worldwide, and they've grounded all of them. Um, no more flights using these in China, in or out. Um, for U.S. airlines, Southwest has the most in their fleet at 34. American Airlines has 24. Air Canada has 24, and United has 14. But in all the world, Southwest has the most on order at nearly 300 of these on order. So, I don't think they've grounded any flights. I think Southwest and most American airlines uh, or U.S. airlines, I guess I can't say that either because <laughs> domestic airlines um, have come out with statements saying that they, they feel confident in the safety of these jets. But you're right, two times in six months. The first time, I don't remember what the stock did. But yeah, I'm surprised it's down, not down more than seven or eight percent today, because now it appears that there is an issue. It wasn't just a one-off instance, and it basically is coming from a new feature on these jets that helps them, prevents them from stalling out if the nose starts to climb too too drastically. It starts to level the plane out a little bit more, and apparently it malfunctioned and the pilots could not overcome that, and so it put the plane into a nosedive rather than just correcting climbing too quickly. So I saw a report uh, a couple of hours ago on CNBC that the um, the data recorder had had been recovered. Mm-hmm. So uh, presumably, uh, at some point, we will learn uh, more and, and mm-hmm. get the audio from that. Um, what do you think is the move here from Boeing? Because they put out a statement uh, earlier this morning that I thought. Um, it it missed the mark a little bit. It was, I'm not saying that it was an insensitive statement, mm-hmm. but it struck me as a statement that um, made me think Boeing itself um, has people inside the company who are saying, "Wait a second! Before we go out with a strong defense of our technology, mm-hmm. let's wait a mo- let's hit the pause button because um, we may in fact have some problems here." I think hitting the pause button is the right move, but. Uh, it- 
total crisis management right now. Um, when I was reading about this, you know, I think I mentioned to you that the trigger in my head kind of flipped, and it reminded me of the BP Gulf of Mexico disaster. Um, that company, the executives were kind of aware of things that were happening, cost cutting that led to that, um, and then government regulators and inspectors weren't aware of all the issues going on and didn't have the staffing necessary. So I don't know if the FAA has anything to say about this, but um, yeah, Boeing definitely in crisis management, and apparently airlines have been saying that they weren't properly notified of this new feature on this jet. Boeing says that that claim isn't true. So there's some back and forth there um, that pilots might not even have known that this feature existed on these new jets. And if that's the case, I think Boeing's in a world of hurt. Well, and for anyone who is thinking, well, you know, this is an Ethiopian Airlines mm-hmm. flight that you know the other one was in Indonesia. This is you know halfway around the world. Uh, make no mistake, the FD, FAA, the uh, National Transportation Safety Board, mm-hmm. they're both investigating yes. this. So uh, this is a story that uh, will continue to unfold. So um, we'll see where it goes from here. Um, the story that made me think of you a couple of weeks ago. Um, in the past couple of weeks, Barrick Gold made a hostile takeover bid for Newmont Mining. Mm-hmm. Um, that bid was rejected. Uh, lo and behold, this morning, <laughs> I wake up to see that Barrick Gold is announcing, hey, we've got a joint venture. Um, the, I mean, combined, yeah. this is a $30 billion entity, mm-hmm. uh, $30 billion worth of gold. Um, Couple of questions. Let's sure. let's start with how is this? How is the joint venture structured in such a way that made Newmont Mining open to this? Because they clearly weren't open to the takeover bid. Yeah, no, they weren't. And apparently, these companies, the management teams, haven't gotten along for a long, long time. So it was interesting to kind of see them want to take them over, anyways. Maybe they just wanted to figure out a way to can all the management at Newmont and kind of have the last have the last word in that argument. But um, so what we're doing here is they're only creating a joint venture with their Nevada assets. So there's a lot of overlap there between these two companies. And uh, so everything else about these companies will remain separate other than this joint venture with just Nevada properties. And they're looking at some tax save, pre-tax savings around $500 million a year for the first five years. And they even see savings out to 20 years. So definitely some overlap there between these two businesses with Barrett Gold owning 61.5%, Newmont Mining owning the rest, 38.5%. And that's just based on a pretty rough split of the assets that they'll be combining here. Um, So it's basically just all based on geography, Um, the the proximity of all their mines in Nevada. and, And now, Supposedly creating a ton of savings, and this allows Newmont Mining to continue with its purchase of Gold Corp, which will create the largest gold company in the, in the world. So, for someone like me who does not have any exposure to gold mm-hmm. whatsoever, I got to be honest. Part part of this story for me, uh, seeing this uh, resulting entity, makes me go, "Well, wait a minute. You know, if I'm going to dip my toe in the waters yeah. of gold investing." This seems like it could be a good first step because, as you said, I mean, this is this is going to be a huge entity. Mm -hmm. Um, It seems like one of those industries where bigger is better. Yeah. So, is this for someone like me who's never invested in gold? Do you think, oh yeah, this is a good first step, or is there a better way to go? 
Um, it certainly could be a good first step. When you look at the, these large miners, traditionally, they, they're not the best investments to hold long-term. They're very cyclical, with the price of gold and silver rising and falling. And then, these mines are not cheap. Uh, so the the capital expenditures are significantly higher than most other industries. So um, I do caution investing in the in the miners of this, but uh, certainly they're going to cost savings. Name in the game here with this joint venture and the Newmont purchase of Gold Corp. So um, if you can lower the cost bases that they have. That's all the better, and it's not easy to do. So this joint venture might really give investors an attractive entry point to either of these companies. Um, one unique play that we like in Stock Advisor Canada is Wheaton Precious Metals, and formerly Silver Wheaton. Um, they've now become more ingrained in gold and a little bit of cobalt as well. So they're a streaming model where they don't actually do any mining. They just purchase gold, silver, and cobalt streams. Off of miners that don't focus on those metals. So you're thinking of iron ore miners, copper miners that really have nothing to do with the gold they happen to find. So that's a unique business model that keeps costs really low and and stable all in costs. So if you're looking to get some exposure, that's one company that we like uh, to recommend investors look at. I know I'm focusing on the wrong here, uh, wrong thing here, but uh, I'm I'm struck by. <laughs> Your statement: They don't know what to do with the gold that they find. That's true. You know, this is like not their forte. They're like, oh well, it's just a, a kind of a byproduct of mining for copper and iron and and uh, and all that. So it's not enough for them to open up operations. So uh, Silver Wheaton sometimes what they do is they provide financing at attractive levels. Um, and uh, so lately, with low interest rates, it hasn't been as an attractive business for these miners. But um, they do help smaller miners out quite a bit by providing financing and then just taking as payment for that financing the streams of gold, silver, and now lately cobalt to a small degree. Back to the joint venture for a second, Newmont Mining, Barrick Gold. You would hope that they're able to make these synergies work mm -hmm. because you look at both of these stocks over the last few years and it really does go to something that you had touched on, which is you know, you said you you don't really want to hold these for the long term. Mm -hmm. I mean, there have been various points in time over the last few years where you would absolutely want to be owners of either one of these yeah. companies. But over the five years in general, it's like, ah, you're better off with an index fund. Yeah, if you're, if you're trying to invest like the Motley Fool suggests, you know, being able to sleep comfortably at night and just kind of set it and forget it with a lot of the companies that we like to recommend, uh, these are not those kind of companies. Declining sales most years, uh, for at least Barrett Gold, as I looked over the last five or six years, and cash from operations. Uh, Goes back and forth over if it's able to supply enough for capex. Uh, it just kind of waffles back and forth. So far less certainty with these businesses in terms of the amount of gold that they're going to be able to sell, just based on the price fluctuations. Major League Baseball is, of course, the biggest professional league in the sport. But the future of pro baseball is not being played in the major leagues. It's being played this year in the Atlantic League, which is an independent professional league. Among the changes that are being tested in the Atlantic League this season, a greater distance between the pitcher's mound and the home plate, and my personal favorite, <laughs> robot umpires. They're going to be using a radar system to help umpires call balls and strikes. I love this. I, I think anyone who watches baseball on television probably loves this yeah, and, is, and is rooting for this. My gut reaction is to be a big fan of the robot, the robot umps. Of course, a robot ump could go against me one day, and then I'll, and then I'll hate it. But um, I like the the certainty. And you sit you sit there and watch a baseball game, and 
you just see how bad some of these home plate umps can be on balls and strike calls on a pretty consistent basis. So I do like that each pitcher will be treated the same. Um, catcher framing won't really come into play. Um, moving the mound back a little bit, I don't. It doesn't sit very well with me, and I'm sure it doesn't sit very well with pitchers that will have to change up their entire outlook and approach to the game based on you know fastball. Sure, they're going pretty straight, but curveball, sliders, that all moves based on the distance that they've been pitching for most of their lives. So I'm a little confused by that. If you want to reduce strikeouts and get a little bit more action, maybe you introduce the DH to the NL, help out a little bit there. Let's see how all of this sits with our man behind the glass, Dan Boyd, who is one of the biggest baseball fans I know. Uh, Dan, can I interest you in robot umpires? Uh, you certainly can, Chris. I think that's a great idea. Quick numbers for you, though. So, umpires in the in Major League Baseball have a 93% correct rate on strike that's calls. Pretty solid. Uh, which is surprising, <laughs> uh, but it, it it really shouldn't be because they're they're very very good at what they do. Um, I think that the robot umpire is a or robot strike zone or whatever is a very good idea. I I enjoy when things are correct in sports. I enjoy, but uh, here's a and here's a hot take for you, Chris. The rest of these rule changes are extremely stupid. Stupid <laughs> are are awful and stupid, and most of them are built to uh, do two very dumb things. One, in, uh, increase the pace of the game. Uh, Rob Manfred, who is the current baseball commissioner uh, and a noted idiot uh, is obsessed with the idea that baseball is too slow uh, where that's uh, it's not true it, I mean, it's been uh, it's come down since it's ridiculously long games in the 1990s uh, that a lot of people remember to uh, something that is quite uh, a lot more reasonable and what he's doing is he's risking the quality of baseball with these cockamamie ideas uh, to speed up the game which will dilute the game and in my opinion make it a whole lot worse let me just read through these real quick because uh, they're real dumb uh, so <laughs> No players or coaches. Players or coaches will be allowed to visit the mound unless a pitching change is being made. So no catchers talking to the pitchers during uh, during an outing. No uh, shortstop coming in telling the pitcher uh, what the defensive situation is going to be for a batter. Can't do it. Can't do it. Uh, pitchers will be required to face a minimum of three batters. Why have strategy in baseball? That's a terrible idea. We hate strategy. Defensive shifts will be limited. Again, why have strategy? That's like, you know, uh, these, uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. It, yeah, why? Why Why do it? Why make it interesting? Uh, time between innings will be reduced. Uh, whatever, that's not a big one. Uh, distance of the pitcher's rubber to home base increased by two feet. Why? Well, so I was going to. More Tommy John surgery. I, yeah, exactly, right? Pitchers throwing harder, pitchers bl uh, blowing their arms That's out uh, more to try to get the ball over home plate. And these are guys that have come up their entire developmental life entire pitching life. 60 feet, six inches. And baseball is a game of not even inches, of millimeters, mm -hmm. right? And so you've got these guys that have been doing this one thing for a long time. It's going to hurt pitchers. Yep. So is the rationale. Uh, Wait, there's one more. There's oh. one, one more, and this, and this is the dumbest the one. The hot I think. takes keep on this coming. Is, this is the dumbest one, and and I don't understand why. But <laughs> all of the infield bases, first, second, and third, will be increased in size from it's 15 square inches now to 18 square inches. Why? What's the point of that one? So I'm assuming 
And I was not aware of that last one. I'm assuming that one combined with uh, increasing the distance between the pitcher's mound and home plate. I'm assuming both of those things are an attempt to increase the advantage for the team that is batting. Yeah, I think that MLB has a problem with the proliferation of strikeouts mm-hmm. in recent yeah. years, which is insane to me. When your team is doing well and you've got a pitcher who's striking out batters at a ridiculous rate, it's one of the greatest things in baseball. Watch. I was at Steven Strasburg's first game when he struck out 14, struck out seven in a row to end the game. I mean, he also gave up a home run in his first game, but the Nationals won five to three, and it was electrifying. It was amazing. Strikeouts are fantastic. Infield singles are not fantastic. That's what they want. They want there's the three outcomes that you see increasing is strikeouts, home runs, and and fly ball outs. So they're trying. Do to we just... really want an increase in in uh, 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 infield singles in ground ball hits? Like, is that that big of a deal that we have to change the rules of baseball to turn back the clock to the 1950s when players weren't as athletic, didn't have the amount of science and numbers and statistics behind everything? Like. Why make the sport worse? So, is it safe to say I cannot interest you in a road trip to Waldorf, Maryland to go to an Atlantic baseball game? Of, of course, I'd go to an Atlantic oh, okay. baseball game. What are you kidding me? Live market foolery. Especially if we can do it during, <laughs> during the week, during a work day. Well, that would the, be ideal. The Blue Crabs or something like that? The Waldorf Blue Crabs? You know what? We combine that. We, we, we head up to Glen Burnie, we hit the Bubba's 33. And then we go to you're a game. Talk, you're talking my language. <laughs> and, and listeners, feel free to get at me on Twitter on this one if you think it's good, because uh, uh, we can have a conversation. Some rebuttals coming at you. Exactly. All right, Taylor Muckerman, thanks for being here. Cheers, appreciate it. You can read more from Taylor and uh, all of his colleagues at Motley Fool Canada. Go to fool.ca. That's fool.ca. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. 